Mini episode 1585 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode 1585. This is FDH managing partner Rick Morris coming at you. And we have one of my favorite guest combinations here to break it all down for the Super Bowl here. This is going to be a great panel, of course. Uh, Super Bowl, uh, as they are saying, uh, with the Roman letters here. Uh, What's this one here? It is uh, L-V-I-I. Uh, of course, it is the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. And this panel here uh, that we have, it's a great one. We've convened them uh, many times on many different subjects. Of course, uh, from the great Callous Remarks podcast, it is both halves of that. Uh, the great Steve Callous, the great Joe Stazak. And uh, Steve, uh, wonderful to uh, have you on today. Uh, glad you could be here for this. And uh, you and I are the ones that have uh, certainly less of a vested interest in this thing here. We'll be happy for our friend Joe if it goes his way, but uh, Steve, you, you and I are the ones without any skin in the game directly. Well, I won't say I went down and picketed at the Empire State Building when they put up the Eagles green and white. Someone actually thought New York would like that. Um, that was a big mistake, but I'll defer to my podcast partner, Joe Stazak, because he's the man in Philly, and now he's down on the ground So uh, in Arizona, so I'm looking forward to his comments, because I'm sure I'll learn a lot tonight from him as well. Well, and this is a thing where, I mean, uh, when the Eagles are in the Super Bowl, I mean, it's always an epic thing when it's your hometown team, but there's just something specially the case with our guy Joe Stazak. Last time around, uh, again, coming out of my Super Bowl party, uh, pulling up on my uh, my phone here and tuning in from Philly as Joe on the Eagles radio network doing the post-game show. And uh, this time, uh, he's out there in Arizona checking out the game. So it's always uh, a particularly wonderful week for Joe Stazak, even beyond the Eagles being in it. So, uh, Joe, I know you're having the time of your life, and I can't thank you enough for making time for us little guys here today. Hey, guys. How you doing? It's been phenomenal. I mean, last night we just off the charts. Fun. Good, clean fun. Just Scottsdale is where I'm staying right next to Tempe where the Eagles are practicing, but it's just it's a phenomenal place to live, to be, and just there's a lot of energy, you know, rarefied air, you know, leading up to, you know, Super Bowl 57. Now, I was at the, uh, I was in Tampa for the Super Bowl week a couple of years ago. Just now, again, yes, uh, obviously, um, you know, I believe uh, green and silver, but uh, there, it just didn't have it there uh, with the football experience. I didn't feel it, exa- you know, lead, leading up to it. But I can feel it here. I mean, you know, Chiefs, Eagles, both very passionate fan bases, and uh, uh, we're ready to go. Like, you know, it's, there's enough hype. There's been enough, you know, predictions and one that I think everyone's getting antsy to flip the coin and do the flyover and let's see what's what on Sunday. And we'll, we'll know by Sunday night who's the best team. It should be a very, very exciting Super Bowl, no question about that. And, uh, again, I don't know the degree to which – this has necessarily gotten picked up anywhere or is getting talked about at all in Philadelphia, Joe. But uh, I always go to look for sports commonalities between cities and different things here. And, of course, uh, the one thing that would jump out at us, at us all uh, was that moment in time when George Brett had his bad case of the hemorrhoids, that being the 1980 World Series yes, between the Phillies and the correct. Royals. So I think... <laughs> The only time that these two cities have ever uh, interacted in any meaningful kind of a way in the sports world here. So there is that. And then I thought I saw something the other day online about uh, that uh, there was 
a chance back in the day, one of the times that the Eagles were angling for a new stadium, and this would be before 87, I guess, when the Cardinals moved out there, that like Phoenix might have been in play to snatch away the Eagles. So I don't know the degree that's to correct. which that's coming. Very good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a couple of different interesting There was a lot of angst, a, a lot of angst in Philly uh, during, during that year talking about moving the team. What? You guys kidding me? Yeah, there was Norman Brayman, uh, I believe was the owner at the time, he was talking about moving the team, wasn't making enough money, and yeah, that's 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 good stuff. You're right, back in the day, the people forgot about that. The George Brett hemorrhoids thing became so overblown, um, but it was, it was a thing back then. It was a thing in 1980, and of course... Phil's came out on top, and, you know, we'll see what's what here. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember, you know, growing up, and this is one of those things where – uh, you know, it, it it sounds like one one of those fun playground taunts, but uh, you realize in the years later, like, what did that even mean? But like, you know, taunting my friend that like his his brother was born during the World Series. Then I was like, oh, see, so you mean he was born during the George Brett hemorrhoid thing? And he was like, <laughs> he was like, what are you saying, Rick? I'm like, I don't even know. I'm too young to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That is one of the things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The uh, the benefits of living a goofy life is you can always reflect back on stories like that. Uh, But, uh, you know, heading into the game, of course, you've been watching it on the ground there. And uh, as far as the uh, the preparations, the way that things have been unfolding from the Super Bowl, you, Steve Callis, watching it like me from afar. What have been some of your early thoughts about both teams getting out there in the way that it's been kind of unfolding, whether it be from a media perspective or otherwise. Yeah, I think for me, the entire game, to me, is going to be, can the Chiefs stop the Eagles from running the ball? Mm-hmm. I understand the, uh, the Chiefs have a chance to run the ball on the Eagles. I understand that. But I think when I see, and I understand this was a different game because of no quarterback for the 49ers, but when I see the Chiefs run, uh, I'm sorry, when I see the Eagles run, for 154 yards against the best run defense in football, that being the 49ers, I'm not quite sure how, you know, I, I watched NFL Live today and they were talking about Spags was interviewed and said, well, in order to win this game, we have to stop the run. Okay, okay, but what's the next? Okay, how do you do that? You, you, put, Nate, you put Nate in the box? Mm-hmm. Because then, because then... I mean, you know, you're going to look to the Eagles' White House. I mean, A.J. Brown might have a field day. You know, they're loaded. So right. they're loaded. I, I did go through their schedule, and I had this talk off air with Joe Stazak. I mean, who have they really, really beaten? But all you can do is play who's in front of you. And whatever you think of Hurts, I think you should get the MVP. Apparently, people are giving it to to Mahomes. But I think he should be the MVP. He's 16-1 and one when he plays. I mean, that's hard to beat now. So, But I think the key to the whole game, and I'm sure we'll get into it more later, but I think the key to the whole game is can the Chiefs stop the Eagles running game? And I think the answer to that is probably going to be no. That's my sense of the key thing. We can talk about, you know, both D-lines, both O-lines. They're all very impressive. But if I have to pick out one weakness – I think it will be the Chiefs' inability to stop the Eagles from running the ball. I think, to me, that's the key to the game. That That is interesting. Do you kind of concur with that, Joe? Oh, I absolutely do. I mean, the Eagles, unlike when Andy was here, um, they, they, they basically have made their mark this year by running the football, even though Jalen Hurts gets all the bells and whistles, and, and he should, the running game. And it doesn't get overlooked. People understand that. People talk about it. You know, they ran the ball, and this including – this includes the quarterback carries, but 44 times in each game, each playoff game, 44 times. Now, again, they've had they had a 28 nothing lead over the Giants at the half, 14 point lead over Frisco, and that became even bigger without a quarterback. So, yeah, I, I can understand trying to shorten the game, run the ball, but uh, both games combined, I think they're averaging close to five and a half yards per carry. On the other hand, the Chiefs ran the ball 20 times. Last week against the Bengals for just an average of 2.2 yards. Uh, but, you know, and Andy, here's the thing. If they could run the ball against the Eagles, and that's that could be possibly a weakness. Some teams have, of course, then how he went out after the Washington game where the, the commanders ran all over the Eagles, their first loss of the year, and he picked up Lindville Joseph and uh, Nadama Kamsu and said, that's enough of that. Um, and then they shut down the Colts the following week. It's possible you can you can gash them here and there, 
But will Andy ever do that? Andy can't help himself. He likes to swing the ball. If you have Patrick Mahomes, can you blame him? So I do agree with Steve, though. It's going to be can Kansas City stop the Eagles running game? Because they come at you in waves. It's either Jalen Hurts, who's you know one of the top rushing quarterbacks uh, you know, in the game. And then you got the three-headed monster, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott all give you bursts, and they, you know, you know Miles Sanders gets the, uh, you know, the bulk of the carries. But Kenneth Gainwell, I think, outgained them in the uh, in the San Francisco game, and they don't they don't necessarily care. They each get their touches, and they uh, they ran all over San Francisco. They forget about the quarterbacks getting knocked out. They ran all over San Francisco. That's how they won the game because Hurts didn't do a whole lot. Didn't have to. Uh, because again, they, they they methodically went down the field. They got helped by some defensive penalties and whatnot. But they um, and a boneheaded Kyle Shanahan not you know reviewing that Devontae Smith thing. People say I could have turned the game around. Yeah, I could have turned a few minutes around, but that wasn't happening. Uh, it's it's going to be can Kansas City stop the Eagles' run game? I agree with Steve wholeheartedly because you get down to this team. They'll, they'll, they can run the clock. Keep my, see, that's the key. I think the key is keeping Mahomes off the field, much like the Giants did to Jim Kelly back in 1990. Keep them, you know, 39 to like 21 in time yeah. of possession. Uh, I think the games that the Chiefs lost this year, all three games, they lost the time of possession battle. And that's the idea. Keep Mahomes off the field. You know, give him as, as few touches as possible because he's their best player. And of course, Travis Kelsey, maybe the two best players on the field in the game. You want to limit them as much as you can. If they can, the Eagles can run the ball, control the clock, they'll be in good shape. The only thing I would say to go devil's advocate on that is, and I want to get both of you guys' thoughts on this, and I'll start with you, Joe, since you're the one that made the point. But as far as Andy Reid and committing to the run in the Super Bowl three years ago, I didn't think he would do this against San Francisco. I picked San Francisco to win the game because I saw it being – a, a repeat of uh, Super Bowl 19 uh, where they, they took uh, my Dolphins, a finesse team, and kind of went up and down the field with them. And I thought, ironically, San Francisco again, but I thought it might be the same thing. KC might be too much of a finesse to hang with them. Andy Reid proved me wrong. Remember, they were running the ball a lot in the first half. I think that was even kind of the analysis at halftime. Like, gee, that's weird. They're running the ball as much as they are. And then they just they gassed them in the second half because San Francisco's defense was just on the field too much. So I'm not saying history repeats itself because, again, San Francisco didn't have the dominant running game that Philadelphia does. They had a good running game, to be sure, not as dominant as Phillies is this year. So it's not exactly the same dynamic, but I'll start with you on that, Joe. Is there anything about what they did and how they handled that game three years ago that might give you pause in thinking that Andy Reid might not do something really kind of uh, against the grain and commit to the run more than we think? No, I've seen Andy enough to know that he doesn't normally <laughs> change his philosophy with that. Okay. They did run the ball. They ran, they ran the ball 29 times against the Niners. But yeah. um, if you recall... Um, they were down 10 points in the fourth quarter in that game and then had to start opening it up. And they, they, I think Richard Sherman got turned around on a big Tyreek Hill play. Yep. And uh, that, that ignited, it was a, it was a big play, ignited uh, Casey's, you know, comeback in that game. I, I just, I just can't see it, you know, other than in that game against the 49ers, other than Patrick Mahomes, take his nine carries out you basically had uh, Damian Williams, and he did have a, and he did have a good game. Seventeen carries, one hundred four yards, and other than that, the other three running backs had minus four yards on three carries. Mahomes had uh, you know nine carries for twenty nine yards. So Damian Williams, did, they were gassed at the end. That that long running play that it covered the the spread for the Chiefs and put them up. It gave them the, their third touchdown in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. You know, capped that uh, game off for uh, the Chiefs. But no, I don't see it. And I think the Eagles, certainly if they get a lead, you can forget about the running game. And even though they have a nice running game, it's uh, Pacheco and, and Jericho, pretty nice. I mean, what's his name? Uh, Pacheco was uh, almost Mr. Irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And he's coming on strong. He has almost 900 yards this year, Karen. He's, he looks quick as a hiccup to me, both those. And I think McKinnon's also a good running back. They did activate the other running back because McCole Hardman got put on the IR, which is going to be interesting. I don't, not sure about their two wide receivers. But they have 
they have uh, Travis Kelsey, who I've talked to Steve many times. He's all wide open every play. Yep. How can no one stop Travis? Wide open every play, it seems like. <laughs> I, don't, I think that's going to be a test. I'm not sure who's going to cover him or how the Eagles are going to bracket him, but you can't let Travis Kelsey beat you. You, you, you just can't. But so, so no, I think I think if, if the Chiefs are going to win, it's going to be on the arm of uh, Patrick Mahomes. And it's going to have to have one of those signature you know, signature games, signature Super Bowls. Yep. And I, I, I think you're probably right about that. Travis Kelsey being completely uncoverable, uh, you're right about that. i got to give a shout-out. FDH Lounge dignitary John Adams, in his initial year as an art teacher in Cleveland Heights, having a young Travis Kelsey go through his class. So that is a tie to the whole thing that he has, of course. You know, teaching in the Cleveland Heights system. And you know, Cleveland Heights is basically the epicenter of the football world here uh, as this thing goes forward with the two Kelsey brothers. First time we've seen that playing in a Super Bowl as opposed to coaching against each other at the Har- like the Harbaugh's did. Uh, Steve, is it the same thing with you? Are you dubious about Andy Reid going against the grain and committing to the run enough to kind of throw off Philly like he did San Francisco at least in the first half three years ago? Well, all those years in Philly when, you know, NFC East battles galore, he never really seemed to want to. Right. So I'm kind of leaning towards Joe. I think that uh, three years ago was kind of an anomaly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Having said that, though, as Joe alluded to, I think it's good they got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire back. I know he's pretty much lost his starting job to Pacheco, who really is a very fast runner and a very strong runner. I think, uh, and I think this is what you're saying, Rick, I think all the stuff is there to maybe do it, but it's unlikely to me that he would pull the trigger. If we're doing a recap in a week or whenever, and we're saying the key to the game was the fact that Andy Reid decided to run the ball, <laughs> uh, I think that might be a fantasy uh, uh, post-game review. But I think, like you've mentioned, I think they do have the ability to try. I mm-hmm. just don't know that they would. And once again, when you're handing it off, essentially, when you're giving it to Mahomes to do whatever he wants... Uh, I still think he's the best quarterback in the game. I know he's got other people coming up on him, but my goodness. And and this, of course, assumes both these quarterbacks are healthy. Uh, He didn't look healthy to me at all, Mahomes, in the championship game, but he was great. He just sucked it up and was great. And we haven't really seen Jalen Hurts have to sling it anywhere. He certainly didn't have to do it uh, towards the end of the season, that Giants game, and then in the playoffs. But again, supposedly now everything's okay, everybody's healthy, everything's on the table in terms of pass plays. I will point out, though, that since uh, Hurts hurt his shoulder, he is one for eight on passes 20 yards and farther. And and that's been his game all year, and he was just dropping dimes the whole season. I think they were leading the league uh, when he got hurt in these 20-plus yard completions. And all you would see is either watch the game or highlight the game. And there's... This guy would be dropping dimes on them all day, and he's even overthrown a couple, so I'm not even necessarily saying his arm is injured because of his shoulder, but you know, you do need that great timing that you usually need when you play 10, 12, 14 games together, and then poof, he's out for two, and he's kind of back for the Giants game, but they don't want him to get hurt, and then they really haven't used him like like he's been used, and I think, of course, for the Super Bowl, all bets are off, he's going to do everything he can do, he's going to run like he can run, he's going to sling it like he can sling it, because if he can then they're going to have a problem, frankly. Yeah, excellent point. And by the way, we should mention also that Isaiah Pacheco is already at this point a champion. And of course, I speak of my team, the Donovan Mitchell Welcome Wagon in the Primetime Football League. So uh, the man wears a championship blazer already for my fantasy football team in 2022. (laughs) uh, So congratulations to you, Isaiah, and the rest of the Donovan Mitchell Welcome Wagon. But... uh, <laughs> One of the things I want to do, I want to ask you guys, kind of break it down into when each team has the ball, how you see the matchups either way. But before we get to that, and this is where I guess we sort of get to the audio blog part of the show here, because I got a couple of different things, and I will cite the sources of where I came up with some of this information. But I've come up with some very good coverage that's out there. I first want to single out uh, at Scott Kaxmar on Twitter. That's uh, last name K-A-C-S-M-A-R, formerly of Football Outsiders, now of the uh, Captain Comeback blog. This is something that he had that was really, really fascinating. I just want to get you guys' thoughts on this. The game that these teams played early in the 2021 season, 
Patrick Mahomes' average pass left his hand in 2.32 seconds against Philly because we know about the Philly pass rush and everything they can do. Mahomes is 46-4 and when his time to throw is under 2.9 seconds, which it was substantially in that game. Now, the Chiefs also rushed for 200 yards in that game. That was a different Philly defense at the time. That was a game where Andy Reid was willing to commit more to the ground, obviously, than he probably will be here, because I do agree with you guys on this. But as far as the whole thing about Mahomes getting it out of his hand quick, and that's one of those things where that'll benefit him because his mobility won't come into play because his mobility is compromised because of his leg. Of course, hurts with the arm. It's unfortunate that neither quarterback is at 100% going into this because I think we'd all like to see more of a showcase out of the two than we're going to get, although I do think both of them will deliver to whatever degree. But uh, I'll start with you on this, Steve. As far as uh, you know, Mahomes, he had tremendous uh, accuracy and tremendous uh, stats in that game getting it out of his hands quickly against Philadelphia, which is what they're going to try and make him do anyway. So is there anything about that performance in early 2021 that would inform anything about your analysis for this game? It doesn't really because of the strength of the Eagles' corners. I mean, everybody knows about Slay, but Bradbury, I have no idea how the Giants let him go, but Bradbury is a big-time corner. So they have those two guys who I think are going to be able to come up press if they have to, stay close if they have to. And then you got a star safety, I think, in Gardner Johnson on the back end. I mean, their secondary is really good. So everybody is correctly talking about the pass rush and how they go six, seven deep. And, you know, what Joe was talking about when they went out and got Sue and Joseph after the one game all year where somebody ran on them at the beginning of the season, when, well, not the beginning, but when the commanders beat the Eagles. So I think it's a, it, it's double-edged because back then I don't think they had the corners that they have now, and I think the corners will make all the difference if Mahomes is forced to get it out 2.5 seconds or quicker, which I think he will be because they're kind of like the old Giants team that won the Super Bowl, you know, that famous Ernie Acosta, you can't have too many pass rushers. Well, the Eagles have, they don't have too many pass rushes, but they got an awful lot, and they're just going to keep running them in and out, in and out, in and out, and I would not su suspect that these guys are going to get tired because they are so deep in the front four. And, you know, when you look at the season Reddick had, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a number one pro ball, all pro season, and, you know, he's kind of another guy you talk about. I think they had four guys with 12 or more sacks. I think they had like 70 sacks total. They were only behind the uh, 85 Bears with arguably the greatest defense ever. So I think it's a tougher defense than they played a few years ago. But specifically on your question, I think it's because of the strength of their corners that it's not going to be like it was a few years ago. Okay. Interesting. And uh, those are some very valid points. Joe, what do you think as far as that game? Mahomes getting it out quickly, the fact he's going to have to get it out quickly in this game, and will that be enough to save him? Well, I mean, the Eagles were number one in pass defense for a reason. They gave up just over 3,000 yards, 5.5 yards an attempt. Number one in the league, and I think Steve's right. They didn't have these cornerbacks last year. Uh, Gardner Johnson, before he got hurt and had the kidney laceration, he led the league in interceptions. And Avante Maddox is back, you know, injured his toe on that, in that Christmas Eve game against Dallas. So they're all relatively healthy, and they fly around the ball. You know, 40 of the 70 sacks have been just from that four-man rush. If they can if they can get make Patrick Mahomes a little uncomfortable, a little uneasy, maybe, you know, uh, twist that ankle up a little bit early in the game, make him feel it, uh, they're going to be in okay shape, I think. I, I understand getting the ball out. Uh, beneficial. Brady's made a career out of it, but um, I, I think against the talent of the Eagles defense and the lack of Tyreek Hill, you know, I, I know they had a very strong year passing and they, they spread it around a little bit more, but he was, I mean, the fast, he's like the fastest guy on the planet. He's not there anymore. So they have uh, Kadarius Tony uh, is one of their, he's questionable for the game with a hamstring and yeah, they have number 11 who had a nice game against the Bengals. But um, uh, I just don't think, you know, talent talent doesn't always win. But the matchups favor the Eagles. And uh, to, to me, it's going to take a Patrick Mahomes signature performance, whatever that means. What I think it means is he's so dangerous when the play breaks down. So I, I'm not 
I'm not looking for him to have a game by getting it out that quickly. I'm looking for him to do the ridiculous things that he does when he when he turns into you know the, the street ball player that he sometimes does uh, when he gets out when he gets outside contained because then everything breaks down and receivers you know they lose the cornerbacks and Mahomes you know he could thread a needle from you know 70 yards so that's what I would look for for the Eagles to be careful of is if he breaks contained he starts running around. Not like he did against Tampa Bay when he, I think he ran for 495 yards behind the line of scrimmage <laughs> in his face, in his face all game. I'm saying, you know, if he's, again, I don't know how the ankle is. I can only assume it's probably going to be two weeks better than it was against the Bengals and he can do something. But I think um, that that's where he becomes most dangerous, not from just sitting back in the pocket. That sounds like a valid point to me. Staying with that matchup here, I want to stay uh, when Kansas City has the ball and looking at it that way, and this time I'll start with you, Joe. I actually happen to think for as much as you guys were talking about Kansas City shutting down uh, the Philadelphia uh, running game, or at least keep not shutting it down because it, it's the old joke about you can only hope to contain them. That's kind of where they're at, keeping some form of containment on the Philly run game. I actually think the matchup of the Kansas City offensive line, which is very strong against the Philly front seven, particularly the front four. I think that's the biggest matchup in the game personally, because if, if they can buy Mahomes enough time, it is a real strength-on-strength strength matchup here. I do want to give credit to Football Outsiders. I encourage people to go check it out. There's a great article there about uh, what the Chiefs were able to do in the AFC Championship game that uh, they were going with a four-strong concept against the Bengals that was really working well, and they were going away from the middle-of-the-field coverage. There were some things that Andy Reid was doing to kind of counterpunch against uh, the, the Cincinnati defense that was really working well, adjustments that they made that were necessary based on the last couple of the matchups. So uh, based on either of the things that I said there or anything else that comes to your mind, Joe, what would be some of your sort of signature thoughts about this matchup when Kansas City's got the ball and trying to impose it on the Eagles? Well, I think I think the key to the game is exactly what you said. I mean, it comes down to the trenches on both sides. Of the yes. Ball, because the Eagles have a couple of Hall of Famers, you know, blocking for Jalen Hurts. And um, I thought, um, I saw, uh, what's his name, Dan um, Orlovsky uh, was breaking down the San Francisco game. And he said he, he recognized right away. And he showed, showed the tape to everybody about how they blew some of the Niners' uh, defensive linemen off the ball and pushed the line of scrimmage three yards almost instantly. Um, same thing is going to, you know, I'm going to have to look at how the Chiefs do. Again, I don't think they're going to be concentrating on running the ball, but can they keep? And it's not just four guys, like Steve said. You know, they rotate seven or eight guys. And they picked up Hassan Reddick because, you know, he was just sitting there. And Howie, I give Howie a lot of credit for the team he put together. But, I mean, they can beat you in a lot of ways. Brandon Graham coming off an Achilles. Uh, it's still playing at a very high level, you know, most sacks he's ever had. Uh, they just they just keep coming at you in waves. So, yes, it will be a key. I, th I think the biggest key, because Patrick Mahomes is the biggest key, in my opinion, to this football game. So how can they protect him? Because you saw what happened. He wasn't just terrible in the Tampa Bay Super Bowl. He was running for his life. He had no time. And you can give, you know, you can give, you know, a high school quarterback time back there. He'll he'll complete some balls. But you make life uncomfortable. You've seen, hey, listen, the Giants, Steve Spagnuolo made life uncomfortable for Tom Brady in 2007. Look what happened. Make the other quarterback uncomfortable. That's to me. Uh, you said it, Rick. The biggest key is can the offensive line of the Kansas City Chiefs keep at least. The Eagles defensive line at bay. I'm saying, you know, don't give up a Super Bowl record, eight, eight nine sacks. Right. Like they, you know, they had nine against Carson Wentz earlier in the year against the Commanders. Because they've had games like that. And I think they've had three or four or five games in a row where they've had six sacks or more. So they keep coming, and they keep coming in waves. If if KC's offensive line can hold up, uh, it's going to bode well because you give them a home's time. He's the you know, best quarterback on the planet for my money right now. So I think that, um, yeah, that I, I think you're right. I think that's going to be the case. Interesting. Uh, what do you think, Steve, in terms of looking at this, in terms of anything you just heard from Joe and myself or any other thoughts that you have, uh, some of the keys when Kansas City has got the ball and trying to move it, not in Philadelphia? Yeah, I'll give you just one stat that I heard today on ESPN that I found fascinating. Um, and this is if there's a weakness in the pass defense of the Eagles, apparently it is on screen passes. And Mahomes, since he's been in the league, has thrown 31 screen passes for touchdowns. He's number one. 
since 2018, and he has 20 more screen passes that resulted in touchdowns, 20 more than any other quarterback in the NFL wow. over that five-year span. Wow. The Eagles are not the best. They're good in the red zone against screen passes, but they're not the best. And they have not allowed, and there are eight teams who have not allowed this. When you think about it, I think it makes sense. There are eight teams in the NFL that did not allow one screen pass for a touchdown all season, and the Eagles are one of those eight. But I think that's going to be his out, especially if we think the rush is coming like we think the rush is coming. So if they can give Mahomes enough time, obviously then it's a different game. If they can't, they're going to be looking pretty quickly, I think, to throw screens or, you know, these six-yard passes to Kelsey where Joe sends a text, how is this guy open every time? And he sends it, you know, seven times a game when he's open. And, And that can happen as well. So I think the short passing game is going to be as important or more important because I still think somehow the Eagles are going to get some kind of pass rush on Mahomes. And even though, again, his stats underneath 2.5 seconds are off, off the charts and fantastic, he's Patrick Mahomes. I think because of the strength of the Eagles' back line now, uh, I think it's not going to be as easy for him to do it as it has been in the past. I think that may very well be the case. And, uh, yeah, I tell you, that's one of the most underrated things that you can have out there as far as uh, breaking up uh, defensive coverage on you. If you can start to establish the screen pass a little bit, that is something that can get the defense on its heels a little bit. And uh, I think trying to get Philadelphia on their heels is going to be at a premium for Kansas City on Sunday. Uh, Switching to the other side of the ball, I want to credit this one here. This is uh, Alex Rollins' NFL YouTube channel. Go check that out. The guy's got some good film study stuff. I was watching a video that he did about uh, what uh, Kansas City was doing effectively against uh, Cincinnati defensively with the split safety coverage. Uh, But that is something that, of course, was being pointed out far less effective against the run because of the positioning that you have of the safety. So if you look at the game plan in the AFC championship game, I think you've got to, you know, throw a good chunk of it out the window against Philadelphia because uh, they can just gash it with that run defense, and you're going to have to take that more seriously than you took the the, the Cincinnati run offense. So I'll start with you on this one here, uh, Steve. What are some of your predominant thoughts about when Philadelphia's got the ball and, and trying to establish their will on Kansas City? Well, I think it's as we talked at the top. I think it's all about their run game. I'll give you a great Jason Kelsey stat. You know, it's incredible now. I give I give ESPN and others credit now because we do focus more. You know, in the old days, you didn't even know who the guys on either side of the ball were, the guys in the trenches. Now, as Joe said, they got two Hall of Famers, uh, Kelsey and Lane Johnson, on the Eagles' front five. But I just want to give you, for example, a kind of stat they have today that they didn't have years ago, and that would be the run-block win rate. So Kelsey is probably the best pulling center in the NFL. I mean, he's really athletic. He's really incredible. I understand his brother gets all the pops. But Jason Kelsey, the last three years on run-block win rate, which means, obviously, he covers his block, 2020, he had a 75% run-block win rate. He was third in the NFL among centers. 2021, he was 72%. He was fourth among centers. This year, back up to 75%, third among centers. And keep in mind, here's a guy who gets out. I didn't see a stat on this, but I think he pulls more than any other center in the NFL. And he's the only center in the NFL who was in the top five in that stat for the last three seasons. So not only is he great, he's consistently great. And I think it's stuff like that, that again, years ago, people really didn't know. Maybe the actual, you know, coaches knew and stuff like that. But this was never focused on before. So I still think it's when they have the ball. Now, if somehow they can stop the run, I don't know, eight in the box or whatever, you know, I think Hertz is going to have a field day thrown to his wideouts because they're really good as well. I mean, you know, you got a Heisman winner. You got mm-hmm. <laughs> A.J. Brown has been – A.J. Brown set the all-time – single season record for yards of receptions of any eagle in his first year with the eagles i mean this guy's just incredible he's had a field day and that takes me back to if somehow they can limit the run and stop the run and slow down the run i think this has to be the game where hertz has to take his shots down the field and oh by the way complete them this time because it's only been since his shoulder injury that he hasn't been that good at it 
Oh, yeah. I mean, and I, I think if we all knew that Hertz was definitely going to be capable of doing that, I think there'd be a lot less doubt among a lot of people about who's going to win this game. Because, yes, this uh, offense becomes fundamental, fundamentally uncoverable uh, if he is able to do that and establish that. Uh, by the way, and again, with uh, A.J. Brown being there, and it was an excellent kind of a uh, move there to upgrade that uh, wide receiver core in a way that was necessary, not to be the skunk at the garden party, but uh, had they not passed up uh, uh, Justin Jefferson to take Jalen Rager in the draft, you don't have to do that in the first place. It's a cheaper move. So this is where, again, you know, Howie Roseman, as I've said before on the show, Joe, the J.R. Smith of general managers. This year he's been the J.R. Smith circa 2016 that we loved in Cleveland as opposed to J.R. Smith circa 2018, which we didn't love as much. So, you know, you're, you're getting a good version of Howie at this time here. But uh, he really... Hey, hey, Rick. Yeah. Hey, Rick, could I give you just one more stat on when the yeah. Eagles have the ball? Yeah. And it's a little tilted, and I'll explain why in a sec, but you guys will both understand it. But in any event... This year, well, the most fourth down conversions of any team in the last 45 seasons is this year's Eagles. They had 25 to not only lead the NFL this year, but lead the NFL for 45 seasons. Now, my complaint about that, as we all know, this vogue, these analytics, whatever you want to call them, has only come into play really, what, the last five years, I'll say? Yeah, um, 10, 20, 30, 40, 45 years ago, you like never did it. You virtually never did it. Maybe late in the game when you were losing and you had to go, you had to go. But the fact that Sirianni, and we haven't talked about the coach, you obviously have the experienced veteran against the second-year guy. But obviously the second-year guy, I don't know if this is all analytics, maybe one of you guys do know, but he's certainly more of a gambler than Andy Reid, even with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. And again, to have... 25 fourth down conversions. I bet you you could go back 45 years. That's probably more than the whole league had back then. But having said all of that, that's part of their game. And if you have an excellent rushing game and you're going to go on fourth down, by definition to me, you're going to make it more than normal because you have a great running game. So I just wanted to give yeah. you that one as well because it's also part of the mentality of the coaches where Sirianni, unless he changes for the Super Bowl, which I don't think he will, uh, I think he's going to go dead game in some situations where we might be going, yeah, really? I'm not so sure about this one. Yeah. And then it becomes, if he makes it, he's a genius. If he doesn't, he's an idiot. Well, it's funny because Sirianni, sort of a distant part of the Andy Reid coaching tree, being somebody that came from uh, Frank Reich, which was sort of, you know, right there with uh, Andy Reid and that whole kind of uh, system of offense. Uh, I will say this, by the way, the whole thing is funny about uh, Sirianni in retrospect, uh, getting shite-canned here by Andy Reid when he came into a city here, and uh, that's a little bit of motivation years later. So a lesson to coaches when they're letting go uh, the holdover coaches here. Uh, be nice to them because you never know when they'll be coaching in a Super Bowl against you. But I did see a thing, guys, to, to your point, Steve, about uh, the whole thing about analytics with fourth downs, and this was something that I was reading somewhere. It was, it was one of these more snooty-type places. I don't remember if it was the ringer or where it was, but it was kind of condescending. It was like, hey, your mouth-breathing uncle uh, who watches the games with you actually agrees with the analytics people because the whole thing of like the grunting guy at home saying, they should just go for it. Analytics actually concurs with that. It's the one time that like the guy with the gut level belch at home is on the same page as the analytics nerd with the spreadsheet. Going for it on fourth downs, this has been a discovery. It is a smart thing to do more often than not, particularly if you got the offense that can get it done, as we know that Philly certainly can. So uh, with all of that being said, uh, Joe, it's certainly a lot to uh, look at and a lot to analyze here. Uh, but as far as uh, when Philly's got the ball, obviously, again, going to try and impose their will on the ground. Obviously, uh, the, the, the key of Hurts to be able to go over the top if he can, that could be the thing I think we all agree that could really just clinch this game for Philly and make them uncoverable. But uh, how do you see it playing out based on how you've seen this Eagles team over the last month or so? Well, I don't like rookies, and I've made that clear uh, over the years. I have nothing personal against them. I don't trust them, I should say. If they cannot run the ball or if they start struggling running the ball, first of all, I think they're going to keep at it like they did against San Francisco because then all of a sudden, boom, 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 they they end up with a long drive. They chewed up a lot of clock, resulting in a touchdown. Uh, they did that a couple of times against San Francisco. Uh, if it doesn't work against KC, they're going to take their shots downfield because, as Steve said, I mean, Jalen Hurts, 
maybe since the injury, one for eight and balls over 20 yards. I get that. He hasn't really had to do much in the last two games, but you're looking at Kansas City secondary. Their right cornerback, Legarius Sneed, is questionable with an injury. Their left cornerback's a rookie, and his backup, who plays a lot, is also a rookie from Fayetteville State, Josh Williams. Great story. Love the kid. Had an interception against the Bengals off a tip ball by, I think it was Trent McDovey, but really? You're going to put uh, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard, and you're running up against rookies? I'll take that, you know, eight days a week, nine times on Sunday. So if they can't run the ball, I think you're going to see a lot of shots downfield, big shots. You know, big shots like they did against Tennessee, like they did against Pittsburgh, like they did against the Giants at MetLife Stadium. You know, they were very successful at it. Jalen Hurts was very accurate, something he got knocked for up until this season. Whatever he did, maybe it's the hard work or maybe it's the coaching, his mechanics, whatever the case, they're going to need to, they're going to, they're going to need to see that out of Jalen Hurts this Sunday if it comes to that. And I think it will not necessarily come to it. I think they're going to mix in a lot of that because I would have sacked his rookies left and right if I'm a coach. They played very well in, in the playoffs, did uh, the Kansas City second year. But again, rookies, rookies in a Super Bowl. Yeah, I'll trust, I'll trust my veteran guys over that. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Uh, and that, uh, again, haven't played like rookies. I know that's what they've been saying and everything like that. But uh, yeah, this is where the lights are brightest and this is going to be sort of the ultimate test of that. And uh, again, Steve Spagnuolo was able to protect them in the AFC Championship game, but this is a different matter altogether uh, in this game. And uh, again, before we get to any uh, thoughts, predictions on the game, uh, I'll just I'll start with you, Joe, here, as far as uh, any angles of this you're thinking of that we haven't covered yet. I think it should be interesting to um, look at special teams in these games. I mean, Jake Elliott's done a nice job since he's been here. Picked up off the practice squad from Cincinnati. Had another good year. But Harrison Bucker, I think, might give the edge to him a little bit. And uh, Tommy Townsend, their punter, uh, probably the same thing. Uh, I, I would look for, because in the game, the punter for the Eagles, um, Sneed, uh, did not have a good game. He mm. did not have a good game. Uh, I'm sorry, Brett Kern. Uh, and they were looking, they were bringing in guys, and they, they haven't even, I think, made an official announcement if uh, Brett Kern is going to be the kicker. He hit the wire once, if you recall, but some of his other punts, a little shaky. And, you, you know, with Kansas City, you want to you certainly control field position as well as time. You don't want to give you don't want to give a short field to the Chiefs. That's why I also think a great equalizer in this game could be you know, as it always is, turnovers. You know, the Eagles, have, if they play a clean game and play to their ability, I could see them coming out on top with a victory. But you, you never know how teams play in these games. You've seen teams implode. And the Eagles have not imploded this year. But when, well, in big games, when they have, they've lost those games. They've four turnovers to the uh, commanders earlier in the year. I know one was after all was said and done, but... Uh, and then, of course, against New Orleans when Gardner Minshew was in, you know, more turnovers, four against the Cowboys, another loss. All three of the losses this year, they've sort of imploded via turnovers. Jalen Hurts has done a nice job protecting the football, uh, but that's the thing you're going to have to look for because those things can happen. Miles Sanders historically has been a fumbler. They worked on that. Uh, I heard Coach Sirianni talk about his time uh, when he worked with um, uh, Tom um, uh, the Rathman. And he even got better at teaching ball security. And Miles Sanders has been pretty good since he turned the ball over. I think it was against the Cowboys um, on, on that Christmas Eve game. But um, I think it's, it could come down to special teams. So look for the punting of the Eagles in terms of Brett Kern. If he's going to punt for this team, he needs to have a better game. He really does. And uh, also, they need to secure the football. Like the, I mean, I think for the first eight games, they were a plus 16 where the Eagles... The last nine games, I think they were a minus seven. So they need to get back to And a lot of that is their secondary hasn't done a whole lot uh, in terms of making or creating plays. C.J. Gardner-Johnson was out for a while. Darius Slay you know, has, hadn't done a lot in terms of making big plays. I think you're going to need to see some big plays from that secondary as well uh, and not turn the football over yourself to the Chiefs, giving them short fields because uh, you know Patrick Mahomes will kill you in the red zone. Excellent points. Uh, before predictions, uh, Steve, any additional thoughts you have that we didn't cover yet? Well, I'll just add a little to what Joe just said in the history of the Super Bowl, and this is from Sal Powell on ESPN the other day. 
if you win the turnover battle versus if you lose the turnover battle in the Super Bowl, there have been 11 ties in the 45 other games. You're 38 and 7 if you win the turnover battle. So Ooh, that's a big that. one. As Joe pointed out, their turnover numbers, their takeaway numbers are better than the Chiefs, but they obviously fell off towards the end. And to me, again, this just makes it makes it more obvious. And I think not having Jalen Hurts for those couple of games did affect the defense to some degree. They were just kind of playing the last three games to win one, and Hurts had to play the third one against the Giants to win one to get the bye. So they still have a turnover margin over the Chiefs. They still have the turnover margin for the year now. They were plus 12, the Eagles, second in the league. And the Chiefs were zero. They were even. Points off turnovers, Eagles were 94, and the Chiefs were 72. So I think he makes an excellent point. Um in terms of the turnover game. Uh, the other thing, the only other thing I wanted to say that I forgot to mention, if I said too much about the rushing, I apologize. Uh, I do want to say that the Eagles sent an NFL, set an NFL record this year with 39 rushing touchdowns. And this is the reverse of me complaining about stats because for decades upon decades, of course, the NFL was a rushing league. So the fact that they ran for 39 TDs this year I think Hertz had 11, I want to say, but to rush for 39 TDs is incredible. And again, for me, plays into what I think this game is essentially all about. If you see them shut down the run early, um, that gives the Chiefs a great chance to win the game. And if you don't, I think that gives them a pretty good chance to lose the game. And I still think that's going to be the deciding factor on the kind of stuff that's going to go on on Sunday. Oh, one final thing. I didn't mention this. We should. The Chiefs have 19 players with Super Bowl experience, and the Eagles have nine players with Super Bowl experience. I think that might just make a tiny, tiny difference, uh, but not a gigantic one. It is possible, uh, to be sure. Now, this game uh, started with uh, Philadelphia as a uh, one-point favorite here and uh, one-and-a-half points uh, as we are speaking presently at a lot of the shops out there. I want to refer everybody on the front page at FantasyDraftHelp.com our 2022-2023 NFL end-of-regular season breakdown. Big statistical breakdown here. The only ones I'm going to mention in the course of this year because Philadelphia and Kansas City are very close in most of the categories listed. The only ones where there's a little bit of a gap, DSRS, Philadelphia, a little more uh, mediocre in that than you would think, 13th, but Kansas City was 19th. But in defensive yards per play, Philadelphia leading the league, Kansas City 7th. So on both of them, they're much better on defensive yards per play than the DSRS advanced statistics here. So that's just kind of an interesting thing. Those are the only real categories where there's any kind of a gap between the two teams. And looking at this here, I just keep coming back to Again, the better rounded team, it's one of these things where the best player on the field is Patrick Mahomes, but uh, I watched too many NBA finals with LeBron James in them to always believe that, uh, unfortunately for my Cavs, the best team, uh, best player doesn't always win. Uh, the best team, the more well-rounded team, it looks like to me on both sides of the ball is Philadelphia. I'm going to say 30-24 to 24 Eagles with Jalen Hurts as MVP. Uh, Steve, how do you see this one shaking out? Boy, that was pretty scary because I have the exact score written down. <laughs> so I, I swear I do. So I'll go, uh, to make it even more exciting, I'll go 30 to 27. Okay. But I reserve the right to go back to my original one, Rick. When okay. I do a <laughs> podcast with Joe Stazak on Saturday because that is so bizarre. I should take a picture. I should have taken a picture and sent it to you and told you not to look at it. Uh, but I think that's going to be good numbers. I think it will be a relatively high-scoring game. Um, one other stat I forgot to point out is yards after catch. The Eagles are tremendous. Kelsey's the best. But the Eagles are tremendous at yards after the catch, and the Chiefs are not so great in tackling for yards after the catch. So that's another thing to look at. If these guys get the ball in space, they're hard to tackle no matter what defense is out there. And I think, again, another slight weakness of the Chiefs that the Eagles can expose. Interesting. All right, uh, Joe, I, I think I might have something of an inkling as to what you uh, see happening Sunday, but how do you see it unfolding? <laughs> Well, I um, I liked when the line came out. Said a pick, it was a one or a pick at some places, and the smart money went on the Eagles because the line jumped two real quick. It's come back a little bit, one and a half, one. It's a skinny line. I think pick the winner, you'll be fine. I think it's gonna. I mean, what scares me is that this Philadelphia, this town is well, not there now, but 
very, very confident, almost overconfident. That's not like us. We like to be anxious. We like to be miserable. We like to be uh, uncertain about what's about to happen and always expecting doom. And I mean, I, I, if I heard the word parade one more time, my head was going to explode. I'm like, why are we talking about the P word? Let's knock it off. Yeah. So um, I, that, that scares me a little bit. I still think that when all is said and done, I think it's going to be close. But I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. And I think it's going to be an entertaining game. I'm going to say they win the turnover battle, maybe 2-1, to 3-2 to do the Eagles. And it comes down to a very late Jake Elliott field goal to put the Eagles on top for good 34-31. Maybe at the gun. Maybe at the gun. Okay. Wow. All right. So that would be a mirror image of the AFC championship game with the Eagles getting it done at the gun. And, uh, again, yep. in, a, uh, in a very competitive – we're all saying a very competitive game, which is what uh, Philadelphia hasn't had to do going through the playoffs here. But, uh, yes, this is the thing. By the way, which uh, going back to our statistical breakdown as well, uh, on the str- uh, strength of schedule index here, by the way, and, and uh, a lot of the statistical things we, we, we have on here, by the way, I want to credit ProFootballReference.com. It is such an excellent site, Pro-Football-Reference.com. On their strength of schedule matrix, Philadelphia only 29th, but Kansas City 28th. So on the whole who-did-they-play kind of a thing, uh, the, you know, foot, the, the football – the pro football reference folks don't like either team uh, for that, so uh, that should theoretically be Love a wash. It. But uh, you know, Love yeah. It. So uh, that, it's it's definitely the one team that was in the playoff field here that you didn't want to play out of all the core contenders. Well, I will say Buffalo was eleventh in strength of schedule. Cincinnati was eighth. So I dare say if it was Cincinnati, wow. Philadelphia. You could really be looking at the glass jaw syndrome potentially, but not with these two teams because uh, they, they both had some tomato cans in their path. But, uh, hey, they got it done in January. They made it here this far. Kudos to both of them, uh, the two best teams in the NFL for this season. And uh, I dare say the two best guys that I could put together a panel with collectively with not only their uh, intelligence about this, but the chemistry with one another. Of course, the Callous Remarks podcast, you can find out on your favorite uh, podcast platform out there. And uh, so again, Steve Callis, Joe Stazak, thank you both very, very much for being here. Really wonderful stuff, gentlemen. Appreciate it so much. Thank you, everybody, for checking out FDH Lounge Mini, episode 1585.